Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns, going back to Bond. Yes, this week we continue our journey through the Bond franchise with The Man with the Golden Gun. Roger Moore makes his second outing as MI6's finest, and let's just say he's still finding his feet a little. As always, Calvin will attempt to defend his beloved Bond from the very deserved criticism that we all throw at him. Enjoy! Hello, yes, we are back on Bond. I'm Calvin. I have a powerful weapon. And He's with me, got a uh, powerful weapon. And you know what you've got, Alan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, on. no, no, you wait. No, wait. You know what you do, Alan? <laughs> um, you charge a million a shot. Oh, I, well, if I can get it. And Sol, do you know what you are? Uh. An assassin of second to none. <laughs> yes, we're back on Bond with Roger Moore's second... James Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun. This is Roger Moore's second film? Yes. Oh, God, I thought we'd done more than that. No, no, there's another five to go after this. Oh, oh you know what, guys? I'm really... I don't know what to do about this. I can because... tap out. I'm happy to tap out. Shall we have a vote? <laughs> well, no. do, do you want to know what the, We should probably address it here. The, the problem I've got is that these I'm, I'm trying to go through these in order. I've only watched, like, I think I've seen up to Octopussy, but I've paused my personal viewing so I can just kind of go through it with the podcast. But I, I really want to do these in order, and I've never even watched any of the Daniel Craig ones, and I know they're not, I don't. I know you don't have to watch them in order, but this is one of the ways in which my, like, autism comes out. <laughs> I think I have to just watch things in order, okay? So the problem I've got is Danny Boyle is signed on to direct the new one. Yeah. And I've seen all the Danny Boyle films, pretty much, and I love uh, his work. And I don't know if I can wait like an extra five years on top of that coming out to see what it's like. Um, well, we're just gonna have to accelerate the Bond films that we watch. And <laughs> oh, discuss. I don't know. I don't know if the listeners will be down for that. <laughs> Let's just skip them. Have you seen how the Bond episode <laughs> episodes rate? I mean, uh, I don't know if 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 you if you listening want. More Bond than uh, tough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's a quandary that you doesn't sound like you're going to let us solve, Sol. So, um, okay. So, Man with the Golden Gun, Roger Moore's second film, Live and Let Die was a, a big success. People seem to accept Roger Moore in the role, um, so they churned this out literally the year after Live and Let Die was released. It was the third oh. Bond film in four years. Don't. Was this a had they not really sort of churned these out before then? Was this kind well, of Well, a... yeah. <laughs> but after this one, there's always going to be... There's a three-year gap between this and the next one, and then after that, two years up until Timothy Dalton stopped doing the uh, the film series. So, yeah. Not to get ahead of myself, but I think I'm going to be more positive about this one than I tend to be about Bond films. Um, wow. Because this one is one that like the fans like dog on quite a bit. Yeah, they what on? Dog on. <laughs> oh, dog on. Okay, I cu- I didn't quite hear what you said, and I wasn't sure if it was like a good thing that they do on it or a bad thing. But okay, 
No, but I watched it because I've been re-watching all the Bond films again quite recently. So I watched this one last night. I tied it in with this. And um, yeah, I while I don't think it's the best Bond film anymore, which I mathematically uh, figured out when I was 12 <laughs> years old, I made a very large chart <laughs> of all the different elements of Bond films and rated them out of 10. And this one came out on top. So... Uh, yeah. Well, so this was the best Bond film? Mathematically, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Did you weight each element, though? Is it kind of like yeah, but you the know, best Bond girl, but that yeah. count, you know, Bond girl counts for 4% of the overall Yeah, score. how many shags is going to be too low on your rateometer, isn't it? Um, I wish I could find that chart. Anyway, I, I, I stopped thinking that for a while, but I watched it again yesterday, and I was um, quite pleasantly surprised, actually. Really? Because I I have a question, actually, based on watching this. And it was, um, at what point, if ever, do the Bond films stop being shit? Because <laughs> <laughs> so far, it's not going well. I mean, I, yeah, one, I'm kind of There's been one you, actually though. solid good film so far. Which one's that? Doctor No, but he'll be saying Goldfinger, probably. Goldfinger, yeah, that's it. Oh, Goldfinger's great, yeah. I, watched, I rewatched Doctor No, actually, two days ago, and yeah, still don't like it very much. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, as far as I know, this is just what James Bond's like, and it never gets any better. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, yeah. Well, is that true, Calvin, or does it, am start... I going to enjoy it when Pierce Brosnan comes along? Yes, there's a, yes, There's you at will. least one good Pierce Brosnan film. You'll, you'll enjoy it when Timothy Dalton comes along. I've rewatched those recently, and... Um... Are you sure? Yeah, you, you <laughs> might. Okay. Well, no, actually, now that I like him, you might not, because... No, I like... Just... I like... I like Timothy Dalton. Look, every Bond film, genuinely, I go into it thinking this is going to be the one. I'm going to enjoy it starting now. And then I often enjoy the first ten minutes. Hmm. And then I just sort of think, oh, God. <laughs> Did you enjoy the first uh, ten minutes of this? The pre credit sequence um... is... Uh... Kind introduces of. Christopher Lee as the villain and his fun Yeah, you house. know, I did, actually. It, it made a nice change of pace from uh, James Bond being, like, in murdered. the coffin or something. Oh my god, he's been murdered! Yeah, exactly. It was nice <laughs> to not go through that bullshit as usual. Um, but they do have the waxwork likeness of him. Yeah, which it was is, quite... They just can't help having that doppelganger Bond mm. thing at the start of these. Yeah. It was quite jarring at first, like, what the fuck is going on? But then, after... I seen enough of it to kind of know what was going on. I was like, okay, no, I quite like that it just threw us into this. And mm. yeah, it was all right, actually. I quite enjoyed the opening. Yeah, yeah. So we're introduced to quite a few characters. I don't know, actually, do you want to go through this like scene by scene or go through it in like um, elements? Well, like, I, made quite, I made quite a lot of notes just in sort of chronologically. So I'm yeah, okay, should we go? Shall, notes, shall, shall yeah. I guide us through it scene by scene and we can talk about the various elements as we go? Mm. Mm. But my, I mean, my, my opening note is, oh my god, he's got three tits. Uh, <laughs> that's the sort of level well, my, of notes I'm working at. <laughs> my, my opening note is that little guy is going to be trouble. I can just tell. So I think we've approached this. <laughs> You're talking, of course, about Christopher Lee as Francisco Scaramanga and Hervé Villachay as Knickknack, the main villain and henchman of this film. The plane, the plane. So, so, uh, um, so these two, despite what you may think about the film, and a lot of people don't like it very much, but you can't... You, I mean, these two are pretty iconic Bond villains, really. I did... Yeah, I know Nick Knack. My, my friend at school used to 
make fun of my other friend who was really short by doing an impression of him going, let me out, you big bully! Uh, <laughs> which I believe was a quote from one of these Bond films. Is it this one? It is! It's, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, can I ask a quick question here? You know Christopher Lee, right? Yes. Pretty well-respected actor and, you know, big big guy and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, everything I've seen him in, he's been total shit. Uh, so what's that about? Well, he's known for his Hammer horror, which yeah. was like, crap. you know, shit, yeah. But like, wasn't even like, you know, it was campy. But it's like if Bruce Campbell somehow became a well-respected actor overnight. Yeah, I, I know what you're getting at. Well, yeah, fair enough. Like, how would that happen? Yeah, it's weird. So um, at what point did Christopher Lee go from being like campy crap Bond villain actor to, oh, Christopher Lee, he's good. I think, and I think, well, Chris, you can have a go at him for the projects that he chooses to be in, but he is always very good in them. No, no, I don't think he's a bad actor, particularly. I just think he does bad films, and I've never seen him do great acting either. And and the, I think it's yeah, just because he, he outlived everyone. He's just sort of like, like, yeah, okay, he's good. You're right, actually. I, I I've never seen him give a performance where I was like, wow, Christopher Lee's incredible. I've just seen him kind of give a performance where he talks at this level of volume and everyone it's like oh he's loud i guess he must have done shakespeare on the stage at some point <laughs> to talk that loud <laughs> i've made a note that young christopher lee just isn't right is he young something it's just not quite it's just not right <laughs> yeah cause i'm only used to him as an old man he's, he's about never 48 well <laughs> i know but he doesn't sit right when he's got colored hair <laughs> Why does he always play like a half Mexican? Is it is it just because he tans well, or is there some sort of I think high cheekbones? That's it, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't like the uh, I don't like the the uh, shade Alan's staring at the Wicker Man. By the way, I've just got to. Uh, well, we have I know you're going to choose us to do the Wicker Man at some point uh, for yeah. the show, so I'll, I'll reserve my again. hatred for it then. <laughs> uh, Calvin, who is in the Wicker Man? Britt Eklund. There you go. <laughs> I know, a nice little reunion. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So, what did you think of Fran- of Christopher Lee as Scaramanga? I thought it could have been anyone, honestly. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Do you? Is he a particularly iconic like the man with the golden gun? Is yeah. Than, no, I think him. Other than it's Christopher Lee, Blofeld, uh, probably Christopher uh, Christopher Walken. Um, but isn't it just kind of like if Brad Pitt was the villain in the next Bond film and he just did a typical Brad Pitt performance? He'd be iconic because, like, he'd be an infamous villain in the Bond universe because it's, oh yeah, that's the time Brad Pitt played the villain. It wouldn't be like, wow, an incredible performance from. No, no, isn't it? I don't, I don't know Pitt. if it's ever an incredible performance as such. Um, but certainly how it's written, how he plays it, I think he's really great. I mean, I think he's fine, I, I, yeah, but fine. I honestly think it could have been any of the people who played Blofeld or whoever was the villain in the last one. Like, I don't. It really wouldn't have made much of a was um, to, uh... was Vincent Price ever in line to play a Bond villain? Ooh, not now to my that would have been good. No, he wouldn't. Yeah. I'm not saying he would have been good at this character, but gen- in general. <laughs> no, imagine not that. To my imagine in this film, even. Who seems more likely to have a third nipple, Christopher (laughs) Lee or Vincent Price? Mm, Fair enough. He'd be fantastic. He'd be so good at doing all. Oh, come, come, James. You know, we can't all. Oh, the eggs. I've got to get in. There we go. Oh, come, come, James. You're a guest of mine on this island. (laughs) 
love the um, relationship that Scaramanga has with his henchman Knickknack, who seems to just employ gangsters to come to this island out of the, in Thailand and just basically like try to kill Scaramanga because if he, if Scaramanga dies, Knickknack inherits the whole island, this paradise, um, and Scaramanga wants to keep his uh, wits sharp. So he doesn't mind that he's occasionally uh, <laughs> hiring hitmen. It's exactly the dynamic between uh, Inspector Clouseau and <laughs> yes. Kato. Yeah, I was thinking the same But thing. we're meant to take it seriously in this film. <laughs> we're meant to take it seriously. It. Yeah, this is not a serious <laughs> film. I mean, it's very comedic. I mean, yeah, you know what, I'll go with that. This film, I think part of why I didn't find this film as annoying as most of the Bond films to date is it did seem to have a better sense of what tone it was pitching itself mm. at. Um, mm. I don't know about that. Well, should we should we get into the plot itself? Because Bond is um, sent a golden gun bullet with his name engraved in it, and that kind of sets him off um, investigating why that ended up with him, because MI6 know about Francisco Scaramanga, and they, this implies that Scaramanga's put a hit out on Bond. So... Well, my, my, ne- my next note is, has Roger Moore got worse at acting? Oh, in this film, he's very, I, um, yeah, his performance is kind of all over the place. I think he's being directed, um, this is a broader point, which is going to cover some plot that happens later, but here it feels like they're trying to make him do things that Connery would, especially in his treatment of women. Yes, I'll come back to that later. Yeah, okay, let's let's put a pin in that and come back to it later on, because there are a couple of scenes that really just are very jarring. But yeah, I think you can. I think he felt quite comfortable in the role in *Live and Let Die*. Here, less so. This feels like a first performance rather than a second one. He doesn't seem quite as um, sure of himself. Mm. So, back to the plot. Roger Moore's Bond is uh, investigating sort of like Scaramanga and this whole thing about the golden bullets, and it turns out that the previous double O agent was shot with a golden bullet. So Bond goes to find that, which this belly dancer is sort of using as a a lucky charm which she keeps in her belly oh, button. God, I hate it. I love that scene. That bullshit. And Roger Moore is oh, trying to get it out by like sucking it's... the belly button by sucking the bullet out of her belly button. Yeah, but as if you'd look at a belly dancer's little golden what charm. What if you look at a belly, belly dancer's belly? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? As if you'd look at the little charm on a belly dancer's belly and go, yeah, that's a bullet that's been flattened after it's been fired. Well, if it looks like a flattened golden bullet that comes from the one man who uses golden bullets, yes, you would think that. But, like, she's got no... I don't know, you wouldn't wouldn't look at it and think that's a bullet. You would, he knows that she's connected with him. My problem with that scene is that he goes in and he goes, oh, hello, belly dancer, Uh, I'm coming, I'm investigating something, and she goes, oh, do you want a shag? Um, and, I don't and then really... he says, <laughs> "And then he says, well, you really do have a magnificent abdomen." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> which line. I assume is, which I assume is like some sort of weird self-parody that this series has entered into. <laughs> that I've missed. No. And no. then he swallows the. And that's literally something Alan Partridge would say. But the, but why? I I, I just asked the question right. Why? Like, is the idea that Bond is irresistible to women because she kind yes. of makes moves on him immediately but he, he doesn't even like have to chat her up or anything yeah i mean i i, I mean i feel the same way about soul's recent behavior i don't understand that <laughs> i was about to say that's not my life right? <laughs> is it just it's just that bond only ever talks to sluts is that, is that what this is about? 
I tell you what, no, it's not even that. I, I, I mean, the most recent one was off Bumble. Bumble's high, high class. I thought oh, I'm going to go on like three dates at least here. People like having sex, Alan. This is what I've come to realize. People in this world do. It is just a sort of a sex fantasy world. Really, it's a cinematic. Oh, it's, it's yeah, just... it shares a cinematic universe with all those Ron Jeremy films where <laughs> he goes to the bank and then they're like, it's, it's not just you the... want to make a withdrawal. Why, yes, sir. Why don't you? Here's a deposit. Come around here, and I'll make a withdrawal out of your penis. <laughs> well, and it's not <laughs> slap bass kicks in, and it's not just that I think it's unrealistic or anything like that. It's just not good character. If we have a character that we're rooting for, and he kind of goes in and seduces someone to get information out of them, which we do see Bond doing sometimes, then that's I can go with that. But when he just walks in and she's like, oh. Oh, yeah, come on, let's. Are we gonna have a sex then or what? It's just, it's crap. It's not good storytelling. It's not interesting. Mm. It's, it's just boring. I think there's something supernatural going on. In this case, it really is just to facilitate a fight sequence in which Bond has sort of swallowed the clue. That's really the only thing it's here for. I, I, I am, I am sad that we missed the sk- we skipped the scene where Bond has to sift through his shit to find <laughs> the book. <laughs> Yeah, I do like you just have a line with, a, the with a, a colander. <laughs> Where he's like, yeah, you've no idea what I went through to get it here or something like that. I like that. Mm. My next note is about Lazar, the gun dealer. Yes, because Bond traces the bullet back to its maker, Lazar. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my first note is, what race is Lazar supposed to be? Don't know, really. <laughs> I tell you what, he's not. Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not Chinese. This scene with Lazar, mm. this this is one that jumped out at me as like, what, what is Bond supposed to be? Like, this isn't Bond. Because Lazar, ultimately, like, he's a businessman, he's an honest businessman, he's a craftsman, he obviously takes pride in what he's doing. Okay, yeah, he doesn't ask questions about who he's selling things to, right? Mm. But ultimately, he's a, he's a great craftsman uh, who's feeding his family, right? And Bond's negotiation tactics with him is pointing a gun at his cock and saying, tell me everything I want or I'm going to shoot your cock off. <laughs> like, is that... Sean Connery wouldn't have done that. Like, well, even when Sean Connery <laughs> was roughing someone up, he would never have just pointed a gun at them and said, like, tell me everything I want to know or I'm going to shoot you. Well, this is one of the problems with Bond in this film. He is, I would really say, much harder and harsher than he is in other films. And yeah. I'm not sure if it's just how Roger Moore's playing it or give you know you give that same script to Sean Connery and it wouldn't have been as pronounced but there is yeah, just Sean Connery yeah. would have done it in a playful way I know that's like threatening to shoot someone the balls no 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 exactly in a playful way but he would have done it like yeah there would have been would have been just a bit more like oh you know what I've got like this guns here I'm suggesting that I might be yeah it would have been like you. do you want me to shoot your dick off with a little like grin and a, a raised eyebrow <laughs> But then there's more. There's more coming later as well. That Bond's just a bit of a twat in this film. Well, and, yeah, and but he's always a bit of a twat. Really, he? but really, just outright aggressive and very creepy as well with women. Oh, in yeah. this one, and yeah. I know, yeah. ob- like, obviously yeah. that's something that Connery could do well. Um, get away with that, mm. um, and apparently Roger Moore can't. Mm. Well, should we come to that bit next? Because shortly after the Lazar scene, Maud Adams. Well, she's already been introduced, but her character Andrea Anders who is um, Scaramanga's sort of uh, mole, sort of like a kept woman who's terrified of um, leaving him. And indeed, she's the one that sent the bullet to Bond in MI6 because she wants him to help her get out of this terrible situation. It's implied it's an abusive relationship. 
Um, she's mm. trapped in it. She wants to get out of it. And I think the way that Maud Adams plays it is, you know, she's not the best of actresses, but it's a fairly decent performance, a believable and realistic mm-hmm. one. And meanwhile, Bond is, like, literally slapping her and yeah. threatening to break her arm to get information out of her, where she's yeah, sort of, like... literally beating information out of her. Yeah. Very... Like, is that just... Has that just aged badly, or was that weird when this film came out? No, because we've talked about Connery slapping women about and stuff, and we've said that's aged badly, but you can totally see it in context. This just seems aggressive and horrible. Yeah. Even even within the context. Well, it's especially because this character is an abused woman who just wants yeah, freedom. Yeah. She's just desperate to get out of this horrible situation. And there's no yeah. sympathy from Bond, it's just... And I think we'll we'll come to we'll come to this scene in more detail later on. But the one where he has both the girls in his room, um, mm, there's a bit yeah. where Maud Adams is like like she's begging him to just like kill this man who's um uh you know got this hold over her, and she just offers herself up like as sex. She's just like you can have me if you want. Like I'm attractive. Like just do it. Like come on. Like she obviously doesn't want to either. I don't get the sense that she really wants it. And Bond's response <laughs> to that is like, all right then, yeah, fine. Um, yeah. And then makes the other one hide in the cupboard and listen. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she's and she's clearly quite distressed about that as well. Yeah, like it, she doesn't kind of go, "Oh, James." Oh, mm. and that's different to other Bond films because in another Bond film of Connery, he would have got her out of the room and like, "Oh, sorry, uh, yeah, I was going to see you, but uh, something's come up. Sorry, got her out, and then mm. got the other woman in. Not sit in the wardrobe and listen to me fuck this woman." It's like there's a there's a difference there, and it, it's we we kind of know that Bond has sex with people sometimes just for the uh, Queen and Country, right? For just mm. as part of the, in the line of work, but there's always a sense of like, well, <laughs> I lie back and think of Britain, eh? Well, what a tough <laughs> job. Someone's got to do it. Whereas with this, it's like this is just a job, mm. and you have to accept that. Like hiding the wardrobe. Yeah. It's just it's just so much more creepy and yeah. gross. Just some of the facial contortions mm. that Roger Moore comes out with as well, like when he's sort of yeah. trying to do sexy leering and he just can't do it. It's just <laughs> not I, I guess they must must have been directed that way, like, oh come on, do like, you mm. know don't make it look smarmy, make it like he can do like smarmy, charmy, you know, and we'll see that in future films, but when he tries to do like Dark, sexy Bond. It just ugh, no. Yeah. Good Poor Roger though, because I I had a photographer once tried to take my picture for something, and, <laughs> and she kept giving me all these directions like just sort of put your arm up here, you know, open your, grin, like show show your teeth and smile, and it's like this is so unnatural for me. This isn't going to look <laughs> right. And then I looked at the picture, and it's like that's the weirdest fucking thing. Like that 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 looks like I'm. Auditioning for Cirque du Soleil or something. It's not. <laughs> Just to quickly finish cap off my uh, mini thesis on Andrea Anders and how she's the most tragic figure to ever appear in a Bond film. Um, the fact that that character, like after Bond sleeps, she well, she offers herself up to Bond as sort of like payment for killing Scaramanga. She uh, goes back to Scaramanga, and in the next scene, we see her. She's dead. She's been shot, and she's just yeah. perfectly frozen, watching a boxing match or something. Um, yeah. And then that's just handled with very little. There's no emotion. fanfare at all. It's just yeah. like it's so matter of fact. Yeah, like to the point that I almost I I had to kind of uh, take inventory in who all the characters were because mm. for a second I was like, wait, was that 
the same woman from before, mm. or was that some new character? Because, yeah, because it was just so... All right, moving on. Mm. It just mm. felt very odd. It's a very mean-spirited thing to do to that character as well, who's just abused mm. and unhappy and uh, in terrible situations all the way through this and trying desperately to get out, and then she dies, and, that, and that's, you know, mm. that's it. There's no remorse. It's just, wow, yeah, I think she's very poorly treated, um, and it's just a bit unpleasant. Mm. I quite like that scene in the sense of, like, the things getting passed around... And uh, and the the his little sidekick comes over and like takes it as oh, a peanut seller and all that. Mm. Just that, kind of that the was little so... heisty bit was all right. But it was just so like fucking convenient that that guy happened to come past at that moment. And... Well, yeah, we haven't really talked about Bond's. Um, yeah, I, I didn't like in Thailand yeah. and Hong Kong. And right, so I'm going to catch up with my notes quickly to yes, about where we are. Yes, so I made a note. Uh, what the fuck you. is this strip club about? Oh, the <laughs> where the women serve club. drinks where they're. Like while they're stripping, have you never been to Thailand? No. <laughs> oh well, is that a thing? <laughs> Anything's a thing in Thailand. Oh, all right, fair enough. I was twelve years old when I was there, and I saw some things. My God. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened. I thought it was going to be a ping pong match. <laughs> <laughs> we knew, we knew there was a moment that turned him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, the, the sort of in betweeny ones. It, yeah. <laughs> um, right. So yeah, Bond's out in the street following uh, some stuff, and then someone gets shot. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, like, man, this does this must look so dodgy. He's just a guy with a gun there. They're not addressing it, but then the police turn up and they're like, "Oh, you're under arrest, man with a gun next to a dead guy. He's just been shot." Um, and I was like, oh, "Okay, cool." But then I was like, "What? what's the point in having a license to kill if he's not just like, Oi, here's my fucking license. I'm allowed to. <laughs> well, he didn't kill him because because they go... No, I know, but... Because they go, what, what are you talking about, license to kill? What's this? <laughs> <laughs> and why can we speak English? <laughs> well, you know how, you know how Bond, Bond has like a master's degree in Oriental language? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He doesn't use it much, does he? No, here he seems more perturbed I mean, by... And they go from they go from Hong Kong to Bangkok in like five minutes, so mm. you know he must have run the gamut of Asian countries. <laughs> should have used all his skills. Should we get Japanese Bond in here? I've not heard from him in a while. I Where's think we Thai should bond? get Thai Bond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! It's no, it's ping pong Bond. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think, uh, like, obviously he's taken to the, uh, they do that thing that they love to do when he's like, oh, he's being taken somewhere by the villains. Oh, no, wait, they're all on the same side. Um, and MI6 yeah. have set up office on, like, a half-submerged uh, ship, which I thought was really cool. I love that scene. I like that. I hated I... this scene. What? It was just so fucking contrived that that policeman happens to be working with the British government and they all know who Bond is and take him back to the... It was so fucking convenient. Well, of course everyone writing. knows who Bond is. He's the shittiest secret agent ever because he just keeps <laughs> telling people he's Bond James Bond. <laughs> it, but it I just... did like... What I liked was that set with the listing ship. Yeah, um, that was right. I thought that was a really nice visual. I thought that's interesting. I did make a note. Uh, I wonder if they'll actually use this in a significant way. Mm. Uh, no, they didn't. No, no, no. <laughs> I just think it's a nice visual flourish. I think it's fine. It felt like a weird counterpart to Scaramanga's Funfair 
lair. It felt very mm. similar to that. And mm. It all it all had a vibe of like the Adam West Batman show. Like they were using some sets left over or something. Mm. It was the sort of mm. thing you'd expect nineteen sixties Riddler or nineteen sixties Penguin to live in. It was, mm. But uh, you know, yeah, it was it was a cool um, visually nice thing. Mm. But like you say, I just wish they kind of made something more of it other than yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I do love the scene after that though, the karate school. Oh, uh, now I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I love it. I love that James Bond does a, a full on like Simpsons jumping out the window head first. <laughs> like, look over there and just like jumps out the window. <laughs> I uh, love that. To escape is ridiculous. I hate that um as they're running away, the, the that guy from before turns up and he's brought his twins with him. And oh, he's like his nieces. Super kung fu masters. Oh, I yeah, love that. Like... One's like <laughs> stand back girls, and then they like go and kick ass. And yeah, I loved that. I thought that was really fun. I hated it. Oh, I loved it. What I didn't <laughs> like was that his um his mate like they're all running to the car, and then the girls get in, and Bond's running around yeah. to the other side, and his mate just drives off. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was trying to figure out, like, oh, there must be some plot reason, like, he's had to leave him there, he's going to come round, because he's got to pick something up, yeah. and then he's going to come round and grab him, like, he's jumping on the roof. Mm. But no, he just, he just panicked and set off too soon, is that what well, it was? The only thing that I can contrive from it is that Bond slams the door, and in the mix, the sound of the door slamming is slightly higher than it should be, so I wonder if that's supposed to be a tip of, like, he thought that Bond was in the back? That doesn't explain why he doesn't listen to his nieces who were quite obviously being like, well, hang on a minute, what are you doing? Uh, wait. I like that the nieces use that classic master of kung fu move, smashing a watermelon over someone's head. <laughs> <laughs> really authentic like martial arts on display. Mm, but of well, course... I bet Jackie Chan's done it. <laughs> <laughs> but of course him driving off leads to a boat chase along the... Uh, uh, yeah, Bangkok canals, colongs, so whatever they're called. We keep talking about how Bond is a, a sort of darker, less pleasant figure in this film. <laughs> yeah. He owes that kid like loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, because his boat gets jammed, and then a, a a boy trying to sell a wooden statue of an elephant turns up and is wanting money. I, I, I like that little exchange, but I felt really bad for the kid. It's like. But that's the sort of coda you need at the end, where like Bond goes and pays the kid like a, a load of money, or he goes back to his house and Bond's <laughs> had something sent there by you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the, the the obvious thing to do there would be, oh, I'll give you twenty thousand baht or whatever it was, and then he tells him, and then he gives him a note. You know, he gives him something, and the kid goes, oh no, this isn't enough, and then he shoves him out. But it's like you know, he's giving him something, mm. or. Or at least have like a, cu- a couple of bullets whiz past, so he chucks the kid off t- for his own safety. You know, something, yeah. just some little thing, rather than him just going, "Oh, stupid little foreign kid." Boom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is funny when you listen to Roger Moore does an audio commentary on the DVD, and it's like UNICEF lead ambassador Roger Moore <laughs> is just <laughs> pushing poverty-stricken Thai children into a dirty canal. So uh, yeah, he's he's sort of like. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Poor kid. Hello, listeners. This is the point in the show where I like to take the opportunity to push you towards our social media platforms. And this week, 
I'd like to remind you that we are working our way through the Bond franchise, and the previous eight installments are all available on our website, dimreturns.com, where you'll also find our entire back catalogue of episodes. So if you're new, go and catch up at dimreturns.com. All right, that's enough. Now back to the show. Anyway, then we get the return of a uh, mm. fan favorite character from the previous film. Yeah, now this Sheriff J.W. Pepper. Highlight of the entire film. <laughs> I was thinking, like, you know, if you just had it, like, Bond is speeding past and he, like, gets water on the sheriff and his wife, who are inexplicably in Thailand on holiday. <laughs> they're, um, they're travelers. If they you... like to travel the world. He's, he seems like a man who likes to experience different cultures <laughs> uh, and broaden his mind. <laughs> It's like, I don't know what kind of travel agent they go to in Louisiana, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, this does not seem like a natural fit, but I was thinking, like, if you just had that one shot of, like, Bond going past Splashing Water on the Sheriff and he's like, God damn, and... That would be fantastic. Yeah, if you just had that one shot, that would have been a nice little thing, but they keep bringing him back again and again. Oh, it's a full subplot, again, that go, like, pointless tangent that... Again. And again, like, I love it, but, yeah, from an objective point of view, it should have been a quick little cameo, like you say. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do have a question, though. Is is pointy heads a racial slur? Um, And and if so, Why? Why? What? what, what if it, well, why, it's, it's, if it's, they are known for having pointy heads, I don't know what. Is it not those little hats that they wear in ah, the rice fields? They don't. None of the people around him are wearing them, though. But maybe it's yeah, just which like is why a it's general, a racial slur. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I will say it's not racist enough that it has stopped ITV playing it during the daytime uh, in its own editor. It's because it's such a because it's it's one that's not carried around. I guess it's just yeah. not. And he says little brown water hogs as well, which I presume yeah. is supposed to be. It's, it's a sort of it's a sort of racial slur I'd expect to hear Jeremy Clarkson getting into a scandal over. And be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard anyone say that before in my life. What Every Very time true. he gets done for something, it's like, what? What's that word? Yeah. What do you What do you mean? Eeny, meeny, miny, mo was racist. I had no idea. <laughs> Never oh, heard yeah. that version oh, before, yeah. Clarkson. <laughs> It is, yeah. Um, so uh, now there is a point here. Uh, I've I've put an elephant pushing a fat man into a, into water. Why do I get the impression that Calvin thinks this is hilarious? I love that. Well, no, I don't love that. I think it's good. <laughs> the word, that must have happened in a Laurel and Hardy film. A baby elephant pushes Oliver Hardy into a river. Yeah. It, I bet that's happened, doesn't it? I don't know if they ever had a, an elephant. Gosh, they would. There well, must be. There must be a Laurel and Hardy film where they're in a circus. Yeah, yeah there is. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot the circus. Yeah. Mm. There, if you listen to the actor on the DVD extras, he talks about how that was like an accidental thing that the elephant pushed him in the canal. So he's a liar as well. <laughs> well sort of like, did, so he pushed you in, and then did the director decide? Oh, this is too good. Let's do it again from another three angles. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't really know, but yeah, I like it when him and his wife get off with three the... cameras at once. You know, that might be the approach. I like it when him and his wife get off the thing, and she sees all the elephants, and she's like, "Oh, I gotta get me one of those elephants." And he says something like, "They're Democrats, maybe." And no, no, he says, that. "No, he says because the elephant is the symbol of the Republican Party." 
Um, oh. And so he's saying elephants, but we're Democrats. Oh, he's saying we're Democrats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, a... yeah, I guess it's after that that we get the kerfuffling uh, him Bond chucking one Bond girl in a cupboard while he... I quite like Britt Eklund in this film, you know. I, I never quite hmm. bought her as being a... a the sexy landlord's daughter in the Wicker Man. She's never really been my cup well, of tea. Like... She is a bit more kind of cute, like with her sticky out ears. I quite like that, yeah. but I'm not really... No, I, I do, and I, I, it's the first time I've watched a Bond film and thought, actually, I quite like this Bond girl from, her, from the from the point of view that I'm supposed... like Because you're meant yeah. to look at them and go, oh, I like her. Four. Exactly. <laughs> it's the first time I've actually like had that. Yeah, no, well, I'm surprised, um, but pleased to hear you say that. She's famously one of the least favourite Bond girls amongst fans, but I think she fits in perfectly really? well she's with a, what they're doing She's here. a total twat of a character. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, she, she is the... One of my notes was she's the shittiest spy ever. Well, yeah, I mean, like, she's, she's... she's a dumb blonde who, like, you know, she's in a bikini at the end and leans on a switch, which causes trouble. <laughs> yeah, <Bond>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the major plot point is that her big fat ass turns a laser on. Like what? Fucking yeah. But I, 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 I she's like, trying. That was like a carry on. But what's going on guy. here? Yeah, it's a carry on bond, and I <laughs> I think she fits in perfectly. She gets to keep her own voice, which uh, she didn't get to do in The Wicker Man. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, and which a lot of Bond girls didn't get to do either. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question though, because her name's Good Night, right? Merry goodnight. Oh, God. But is is it yeah. never used? It's never used for punning purposes. I was waiting for him to go, oh, I only have one good night a year, or something like that. Well, uh, at the end... shit line like that. Yeah. At the end, M says, good night, good night, and Bond says, good night, sir, and I think that's as close oh, yeah. as we get. But we we have um, uh, brushed over Chumi, who is one of the better names. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I forgot. Chumi. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what is... What is... Why Why are there 24 of these films? <laughs> but it is literally one shot of her just so she can say... So you can go, what's your name? And she can go, chew me. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only purpose. Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. did you have any more notes about the scene with all Bond and the girls in the room with the closet and the... Because then we do have the scene in the uh, boxing ring where they're passing around the MacGuffin, the Solex agitator that all the spies and characters are after, which is quite good. And Scaramanga tells quite an interesting story over that scene, I think, about like how uh, he was brought up in a circus and there was this um, animal tamer who was mean to one of the animals that Scaramanga liked, so he killed him. I think it's quite a good, like, sort of creepy tale, but it's just like sort of skirted over with all these shots of Bond faffing around with the Solex and getting it passed around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Are we meant to take that point blank as well? Because it, it really struck me like one of those tales the Joker would tell in The Dark Knight where you're mm. sort of like, is this bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, I guess it fits in with the kind of fun fair, fun house yeah. lair he's built himself. But Yeah, he's got a midget sidekick. Mm. Yeah, he's got three nipples. So he's probably <laughs> in the freak show himself. <laughs> mm. um, so we get to the car chase here. Do we know why the sheriff would be looking to buy an American car while he's in Bangkok? Because he's not going to drive one of those fucking foreign pieces of <laughs> shit, is he? He needs a car that's too big to go on the roads. 
Calvin, what do you think of the comedy whistle sound effect oh. that plays as they <laughs> jump the car oh, across the river? I hate it. It diminishes what is a fabulous stunt. Like, it's amazing. They did it for real, everything. It was so cool. And then you have this stupid... Like, yeah, that, that's my thought was. Oh, that would have been cool if they hadn't just ruined it. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I, I I don't mind it. But that whole chase would be a really nice little sequence, and then it's just kind of capped off with this horrible. Yeah. I, I love all the stuff with the sheriff like sticking his head out of the car and screaming at the pe- uh, fellow motorists. <laughs> My my next notes has to do with going to the island at the end. Ah, oh, right. Yes, yes. Okay, because Scaramanga flies in a flying car back to his island, <laughs> and Bond pursues. I, it's very um, it's very Thunderbirds. All of this. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Was Thunderbirds doing a riff on this or? No, no, no. I just think it was. You know, that was what models were like back in that day. It's very Grand Theft Auto. You drive into a, a garage. Yeah. And then you come out 30 <laughs> seconds later with wings <laughs> strapped on. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's quite a cool island hideout. Um, oh, the funhouse. But I do, I, all of it is mm. quite a nice lair. Mm. Um, but I do have to ask, has Scaramouche ever seen a mushroom? Scaramouche? Scaramouche? Can he do the Scaramanga. Has he ever seen a mushroom before? All right, thank you. Yeah, because this is, I'm really curious, like, what they think a mushroom looks like because they talk about this mushroom shaped rock that's you know there and it's that, that's not shaped like a mushroom to me is it to you <laughs> no all right. mushrooms come in all, like a mushroom. all sorts of shapes and sizes so you can pretty much get well, away yeah one. because if you say to someone mushroom shaped they know what you mean yeah regardless of like the, the yeah regardless yeah. of the the um technicalities behind it it's like saying star shaped if someone said something star-shaped... Giant like, ball of fire. Really, it should mean spherical, but it doesn't mean spherical. It means, like, pointed. pointed spiky, either five or six, depending on your religion. Yeah, but um, you know um, you know when... You, if you ever go to anywhere, like especially anywhere like Yorkshire, Derbyshire, they always have a rock formation where it's like, oh, yeah, this is called the Lady of the Cave. Because you can see the lady's <laughs> face and breasts and shit. It's like, no, no, you can't. <laughs> I just think he seems like someone who, you know, if it meant that much to him, he could send like someone out there to carve it into the shape of a mushroom or something. <laughs> like, carve his face on it. And go, you see that rock that looks like me? <laughs> see that rock that looks like the shape of a third nipple? <laughs> you see the, that rock over there that looks like my golden gun? <laughs> Which, that that's a weird phallic thing that's going on throughout this film, isn't it? That is intentional. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When he's rubbing his golden gun all over her face. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool no, it's all right. Yeah, and you know, him and you know, he positions the duel with Bond as, you know, my golden gun against your Walther PPK. It's, you know, his little snub nose Walther. <laughs> PPK. Pork pie king. <laughs> <laughs> So what, how did you uh, feel about this final duel between Bond and uh, Scaramanga? I mean, the, the second we opened in this uh, lair, it's like, okay, so the 
the final moments <laughs> yeah, of this yeah. film are going to be Bond coming back to do the exact same thing. Mm. Um, but, you know, that all as obvious as that was, it was, you know, a nice little satisfying callback. Mm, um, mm. As far as Bond's finales go, I guess it was more interesting than, uh, oh, the island's going to blow up or something. So, yeah, which which it, it does. <laughs> no, I know, but it, was, it wasn't just running around, like, camera shaking, mm. uh, you know, siren sounding. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, it was alright. It annoyed me that he, like, where did, at the end, there's that statue of him. Yes. And then Christopher Lee walks in, but the statue's actually Bond and he tricked him. Yeah. Where's he put the statue? Well, yes. He just shoved it around the corner. I'd love to know how he got the clothes off the statue. Like, that would be difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He had to cut his fingers off as well to make it convincing. Mm. And I love that the the, the statue was holding a loaded (laughs) Walther PPK. Uh, That's lucky, isn't it? (laughs) Because Bond loses his. But yeah, I did. I liked the idea that, you know, he had this giant laser made from the sun. That was mm. a gold golden ray, you know, it's the golden gun. I like that kind of little tie in. Would have been nice to sort of get that earlier so we can go, oh, it's a golden mm. gun, I get it. Yeah. Mm. But um yeah, or just u- use it somehow. Use the weapon a bit before it gets foiled. Mm. It would have been nice to just have a shot of like the Sydney Opera House being like destroyed or something. I mean I don't think it'd been built at this point. <laughs> what do we have back then? <laughs> Statue of Liberty. Um, when was this film? When was the film made? Nineteen seventy-four. Ah, well, the Twin Towers went up in seventy-four. They would have been very topical at the time. Mm. Let's not take them down. Uh, Empire State Building's fair game, though. Okay. And then, yeah, we should have just had a shot inserted. This is how I'd improve the film if I could. The exact same film, but then at the end, there's, they turn it on, and there's a shot of. The Empire State Building being set on fire, and then the camera pans across, and there's just like a a, a gorilla takes his hat off and throws it on the ground because he's furious because he's about to. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's drinking from a bottle. <laughs> he throws it away <laughs> and rubs his eyes. And he goes. <laughs> you know we do then, have. A, no, there's a pigeon. There's a pigeon looking at it, <laughs> and the pigeon does a double take. <laughs> you know, for the next few Bond films, we do have. Various characters drinking and looking at the bottle, and like oh, it yeah. happens oh, in like every. In fact, it happens several times in Moonraker, but it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a trope of the next few Roger Moore Bond films. Is that is that what replaced J.W. Pepper? <laughs> yes. So you don't like these uh, kind of endings where it's kind of over, and then they have a little coda on the end where the villain or the hench person comes back for revenge. But yeah. Nick Knack does it here. Um, yeah. What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not a big fan of them structurally. It feels a bit weird, but yeah, it was, mm. you know, it's fine. Do you, if know, you have to do that? This, this, it's a bit uh, belittling, if I dare use that word, to uh, <laughs> little people, because yeah. any other any other sidekick who came in at the end, he would kill them or blow them up with a cake mm. or throw them off a ship or whatever. But because it's just a little midget guy, he can just shove him in a suitcase and then carry him off, and they go ha ha ha. Let me out, you yeah. big bully. She's <laughs> taking a piss, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit, yeah. And he's still alive at the end, one of the few Bond henchmen to... Bond villains to still Do be alive. Does he come back? Does he ever come back? No. Shame. Well, that's my idea for the 
sequel. <laughs> what, Knickknack and Sheriff Pepper? Uh, no, I, I think... I'm, I'm surprised Knickknack never comes back. That's Knickknack and Ricardo Montalban on an island. It just seemed, yeah, it seems like he'd be a Jaws figure where he'd pop up down the line with another new boss. I I would bring him back like as a big twist reveal in one of the Daniel Craig films where it's you know it's sort of like this person's messing with Bond. <laughs> the the actor like, died about twenty years ago. If that that might be. Yeah, cool. well, you're not going to cast the same guy in a Daniel Craig Bond, are you? Peter Dinklage. Cast... There you go. <laughs> Who is playing Hervé Villachay in a HBO yeah. biopic? I believe. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the, that, that very end, you know, when they do the little shagging scene, mm-hmm. uh, and there's always, like, little little gag euphemisms or whatever. Um, and in this one, you know, when M asks for her on the phone, he goes, she's just coming, sir. Mm. Now, that's that's not exactly a euphemism, is it? It's not a very no. subtle one, as yeah, they go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. But he could have said, he could have said, uh, Bond, Bond, have you, uh, how's it gone? Have you had a good night? Well, I'm about to, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's something to be said that the uh, production were sort of running on empty at this point. Like the screenwriter, Tom Mankiewicz, said that he was like on it and then off it. And then they asked him back to do a rewrite, another writer's rewrite of his original script. And then he left again, they brought someone else in. It was just, the script was constantly being rewritten. The director, it was his third one in four years. Um, there are a load of production troubles behind the scenes, so you'll notice that <clears throat> the producers' names on all the films so far have been Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Saltzman, and Harry Saltzman um, sold his part of the partnership, so for the next film it's just Cubby Broccoli. Um, <laughs> and yes, that is the family that brought Broccoli to America. <laughs> uh, chubby Broccoli. <laughs> Cubby! <laughs> <laughs> um, I was did have one other note. Um, you know the people playing M and Money Penny are they the same from right from the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Because I basically made a note here that Money Penny is getting a bit too old. <laughs> she's, she's she's just getting a bit too old to be the sexy secretary. Oh, leave her alone. Wait, is Money Penny meant to be sexy? Well, in a kind of dowdy secretary, I never get the man kind of way. Hmm. But when do they replace her eventually? Uh, not for another uh, five films. <laughs> so yeah, she. Um, well, I mean, we'll see in her last few appearances. They're not terribly flattering what they do with her. But uh... Uh, well, you know, at least middle-aged women get in work in the film industry. <laughs> That's something. They do bring in a replacement in one of the films called Miss Penelope Smallbone, but. <laughs> <it's>, uh... <laughs> Oh, oh no, Christ. it's Smallbush. Sorry, no, it's Smallbush. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, it's not Smallbone, it's Smallbush. Sorry. You, a little bit Jesus. of a little bit of Freudian Fucking slip there, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Man with the Golden Gun wasn't terribly, terribly successful when it was released, so there was a three-year hiatus, and then uh, we got The Spy Who Loved Me a few years later, which sort of relaunched the series somewhat. Glang! So, so, so if you had to rate the man with the golden gun, how would you rate it? It's an eight from me. <laughs> I give it a six. I give it a three. A three? Yeah. Oh, that's so unfair. <laughs> I think my six is very generous, though. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. 
I think it deserved maybe a bit lower. No, no, it didn't. No, six is fine. I think this one's messier and got more problems with it than a lot of them, but it also had a lot of individual like elements and sequences that I enjoyed more than... I found myself less bored, for the most part, than I do mm. during most of these. So, yeah, six. So, what's our pitch? Is it going to be a knick-knack or a <laughs> Sheriff Pepper? Uh <laughs> What I would like to see, actually, is I think if you were to take this subject matter, a lot of this stuff from The Man with the Golden Gun, and made a more serious, like, Craig-era film with it, I think that could be kind of interesting. If you did it, sort of, some of the more serious um, elements of the plot, you could do it justice. Like, we talked about Andrea Anders, you could handle that much more sensitively. Hang on, what what subject matter are we talking? Well, I'm, you know, stuff about the abused woman, and uh, okay. need, needing Bond to help her out, and... Yeah, you know, um, there's cool. that, and also just Scaramanga is sort of like a dark side of Bond, and as we talked about, all the sort of euphemism uh, of the guns and measuring up their guns against each other and all that kind of. Thing. What about the man with the golden buns? It's about a gay porn star who's mm. smuggling something in his rectum. You're not doing serious pictures here, Alan. Not like my remake and Souls uh, Revenge <laughs> of Knickknack pictures. <laughs> oh, Remember knickknacks. They were good, though. The Do you know what? The oh, weird thing is, dreadful crisps, dreadful I ate, I had some knickknacks yesterday for the first time in oh. ages after I watched this film a few days earlier. Coincidence? <laughs> yes, it was. It was, actually. I didn't buy them. Was it, or did you kind of subconsciously go, when you were watching it, knickknacks? Oh, I've not had knickknacks in a while. And then you're in the shop and you're like, oh, I'm bagging knickknacks. No, because someone else bought them for me without any prompting right, yeah, whatsoever. <laughs> Just a coincidence. Terrible crisps. Which flavour, though? No, they were no, nice. The sticky the, rib the ones sticky, were nice. The spicy ones. Nice and yeah, it's the, rib... the crunchiness is not right. I really enjoy the rib ones are good. The other ones aren't. That's what I remember. Mm. I like those rib ones. Uh, so okay. James Bond. <laughs> can we have a ca- uh... can we have a, a Bond villain called Monster Munch? <laughs> Monster Munch or Monster Mash? Monster Munch. What did you say Monster Munch? I think that's a Bond girl, and, and that brings <laughs> us back to Vincent Price. Right. Okay. Here's this Vincent Price as a Bond villain. Right. Let's build it around him. All right. And he's but Monster Munch is definitely the Bond girl of this. Film. All his henchmen oh. are like Frankenstein's and Dracula's. Yeah. Horror Bond. <laughs> eh? All right. Brilliant. I like this. So he, he lives in a big spooky castle. Yeah. Christopher Lee can come back as Dracula. He lives. He lives <laughs> with his mother, <laughs> who may or may not be dead. <laughs> Yeah, we never see the mother. She's just upstairs, like, and he has to, you know, keep going to take her food and stuff. Oh, but his main henchman is this young boy who's got scissors for hands. (laughs) (laughs) And so he keeps trying to slice everyone up. That's a pretty Mm. cool Bond villain thing. Henchman thing. That is, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that is very, yeah. And what's the plot? He keeps trying to make an omelette. Some eggs. <laughs> you know what? Actually, James Bond in the books does love his bloody eggs. He he's always going on about eggs, and he makes a quiche in a view to a kill. <laughs> God, he would like quiche, the worst food. In the world. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to that film, just because Christopher Walken and Roger Moore making quiche. It's just, it's just a strange one, anyway. Does he does he like raw eggs as a hangover cure? Is that the thing? No, I don't know. I've no, he seems like now. a Bloody Mary type to me. Mm-hmm. So, so, come on, are we coming together with a plot here or what? I thought we already did one. So, wait, what are we doing? 
Horror Bond. Or I was just going to remake it, but Alan's insisting that we do something <laughs> with Vincent Price. Yeah, I think it should be something new. If you're going to do a remake, though, who would you have? Who would be your knickknack? Oh, well, uh, Peter Dinklage. Okay, well, that's mm. route one. Um, so, <laughs> who would you Tony have Cox. as... Um, Warwick Davis. Scaramanga. <laughs> that's all of them. Possibly Benedict Cumberbatch. Ooh, yes. Scaramanga. Yeah. Uh, you can't afford Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch is too... He's, he's already Khan. He can't come back and be uh, another iconic villain. Right. Who who would you get? Christopher Lee? Need someone freakishly tall. I already who? said Benedict Cumberbatch, but for some reason we can't afford him. <laughs> Manu- for Ellen's Manu- bizarre <laughs> What we can and can't pitch now, all of a sudden. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm not convinced by Cumberbatch. Oh, Stephen Merchant <laughs> with Ricky Gervais's knickknack. Carl Pilkington's a knickknack. If anyone is operating operate the fun fair, just like, I'm sick of this. Yeah, Carl Pilkington's the engineer guy, the one engineer who works there. <laughs> What about um, Matthew Perry? Because he's got a third nipple. Has he? Chandler. Oh, Chandler. So he's doing it as he's Chandler. He's doing third nipple acting. It's the yeah. character of Chandler going, could I be any more evil? <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a, a knickknack is played by a chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> Marcel. <laughs> Spider monkey, or an orangutan, or something like that. What about Jim Carrey? He needs he needs a comeback role. He's older now. Ooh. He's Jim Carrey's really tall. Is he? He's like six foot three or something, isn't he? Right, tallest actors. Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> John Larroquette is the top result <laughs> for tallest actors. There we go. That's our Scaramanga. <laughs> <laughs> John Larroquette, Matthew Modine, Vincent D'Onofro, James Cromwell. Ooh! Oh, no, he's too old now, isn't he? James Cromwell, like... Well, James Cromwell, like, ten years ago. He would have been a good... It's still too... No, he's too quiet and kind of serene. 30 years ago. He's looked 80 since he was about 35. That'll do, (laughs) knick-knack. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh. Right, let's end it. We're just listing actors now. Uh, Okay. Thank you for listening. And, in fact, it's a very special thank you today, because this is an important milestone in the history of Diminishing Returns. You see... Our good friend and founder member, Calvin Dyson, has decided that he can no longer continue his work here on the podcast. I'll just let you take a moment to let that sink in. Unfortunately, Calvin actually has a real career and a social life, and is no longer able to commit to the considerable time demands that the podcast creates. But the good news is that Sol and I are far more irresponsible with our lives, and we will always favour this Tim Pot podcast that doesn't pay us anything over a real job. So... Diminishing Returns will continue, but with a rotating roster of people to fill Calvin's empty chair, including, of course, Calvin himself, who will return to continue our Bond series, 
as well as dropping in for an episode here and there whenever his busy schedule allows. And what better way to sign off than with a previously unheard clip from one of our previous Bond episodes, in which we discuss the fact that Calvin owns a golden gun, and you get a pretty good feel for our relationship together. Thank you, and see you next week. Is it actual gold that's no. plated the gun? No. It's gold-plated. We're well, not going to get a solid gold Well, gold I, I don't mean solid, but so, so it's real gold <laughs> coating it, then. Yeah, yeah. Well worth the worth every penny. So I, how much do you think the materials that were spent on it are worth? I, I don't even want to think about it. Come it how, is, of, it, how often do you get it out and like play with it? Uh, <laughs> has it has it appreciated in value since you bought it, or or has it depreciated in value? <laughs> I I'm, I haven't had it valued. Uh, Can you get one <laughs> on eBay? Should we? Oh let's, yeah, let's actually, see if we so, can find one on eBay. Have a look. Have a look. <clears throat> Factory Entertainment Golden Gun. Right, let's see. Oh. <laughs> oh, there aren't any. Oh, see, they're, they're so price. good that no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no one wants to. Um, <laughs> no one wants to part with uh, such a unique <laughs> piece. <clears throat> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> You, you amuse me sometimes. <laughs> oh. uh, there's one on eBay that sold for 1,200 US dollars, apparently. Oh my god. Maybe I'll... Uh, hmm. No, I couldn't. It's got too much sentimental value. <laughs> what sentimental value? You sat on your shelf. Remember the time I came into your room and made fun of it? <laughs> 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 oh, good times, good times. Yeah, I, I don't think I kept it at, the, at our student house because I was afraid that you'd do something to it. I think I had it over. <laughs> I had it over for a video that I did once, and then that was it. I was like, "Oh no, this is it. I, I, I must stay at home." <laughs> I mean, that was the right decision. Too. Yes, I. Otherwise, I think. <laughs> I still no, we, like we, the we other day. The other day, do you remember? Do you remember when you and Matt Pryor like changed a load of the DVDs and Blu-rays? And I the was cases? about to say that. That's all I think I ever did in your room was just chain put I... all of the DVDs in the wrong box and then put them I back sold... on the shelf. <laughs> I sold um, a few recently. I was like selling one like Music Magpie that sort of thing, and I opened up my Full Metal Jacket Blu-ray. Which um, I obviously haven't looked at in years, and it, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, was in there. And, uh, so I had to go and find where oh, the you have to Blu-ray follow the was. chain. Then <laughs> everything else is fine. It was just that and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I obviously haven't watched in nearly A ten years. Swap. <laughs> <laughs>